0: How are you guys? I am really sore. (laughs) Uh, Meryl and I went to go run a 5K yesterday. Well, she ran 5K. I ran two miles, and then I almost died on the third mile. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to pass out. I'm not going to pass out. I'm good. I'm good. And I finished. (laughs) Um, That was my first 5K. Um, So I'm really excited to speak to you guys today. Today's um, sermon is going to be called A Trustworthy Rewarder. Um, For those of you taking notes, it's A Trustworthy Rewarder. Um, So I was preparing for the class and something funny happened. Um, I was listening to Spotify and uh, you know how commercials come on Spotify, like radio ads they play. And so uh, have you guys heard of the um, uh, Captain Obvious from Hotels.com? No? No. Well, it's really funny. Um, And I just, I was like, I wonder if this persona has like a Twitter. And I did this like two years ago at a Bible study. I started off with like some like funny stuff. And I just read some of these tweets and I thought that they were funny. Um, And being that I work in advertising, I just think that this is like a really cool way to do it. So these were some of the tweets that I read that I thought were really funny. So this is Captain Obvious tweeting. Um, I'm going to read you three. You have to laugh. If not, you're going to make me way more nervous than I already am. So he tweeted, time may not be on your side, but if you're wearing a watch, it could be on your wrist. (laughs) The second one that I thought was really funny was, happy birthday, Queen Elizabeth. It's not every day you turn 89 because that's not how birthdays work. So I thought that was funny. And then when I was working on my class, this was the one that came on Spotify. Skydiving without a parachute is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. (laughs) I started laughing. I thought that was so funny. I was like, skydiving without a parachute is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I was like, why? And I was like, oh, wait, without a parachute. i never going to do that. Um, some, uh, some of you here have done that, and it's just crazy. So um, I thought that, that was super funny, and I was thinking about starting this uh, message with just joy and like celebration of God and like what God is doing through some of our people um, and through all of us, really. So I'm going to start off, actually, with some testimonies. So if I can have Blue come up first. Give him a round of applause. Now up here. And please know that, like, this is, this has to do with what I'm going to share tonight, uh, today. So by all means, please celebrate these testimonies and celebrate your brothers. Amen? So Tuesday, I was at school,
1: minding my own business, going to the parking lot, and this um, older lady was handing out those like Jesus pamphlets, and so I was like, "Okay, thank you, thank you very much." You know, I started walking to the parking lot, and like halfway between where she was and the parking lot, like God just said, "Like, um, show her my love." I stopped, and I was like, "God, no, I don't, I don't want to." He's like, "Show her my love." So I stayed there for a little bit, looked back. And I saw her doing the same thing with other people, just giving out pamphlets, talking to some people. And so seeing that, it just made me um, have, like, love for her. So I went back, and so I, as soon as she was done talking to who she was talking to, I was like, excuse me, um, um, you know, I asked her her name. Um, And so, like, we just started talking, and I was like, I just want to encourage you because what you're doing right here, it's not being overlooked. Like, God is... uh, is honored by what you're doing, and this isn't just a small act. This isn't something that you did that you woke up today and was like, hey, maybe I'm just going to pass some booklets to some strangers. Like, this is um, you honoring your father, and the father wants you to know that he loves you, that he honors you, and that he just wants you to know that he's so in love with you and that he just wants to keep on blessing your family. So I just kept, like, giving her words of encouragement, and she seemed to, like, I guess, like it because she was like, Yes. Yeah. So um, I don't know if she was lying, but yeah, that's
0: what happened. Johnny, come on, give me my hand, guys.
2: Hello, guys. Uh, so, so I attend Cerritos College. You know, go Falcons. And uh, and this happened last semester. I was I was. I just got out of my sign language class and for some reason we got out earlier than usual. Usually we get out at uh, 1150, we got out at 1140. So I was walking out and then outside of the, the building there was, um, there was a guy standing outside asking for money. And you know, me, I'm just trying to be like... But no, he caught me and, um, <laughs> and he, he, was a, he said he was a monk. And he was—he said, um, "Hey, I'm just here trying to ask for money." So then, people that are like, "Monkey," uh, can uh, can get some money, you know. And 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 I was like, "I don't have cash," and I didn't have cash. I wasn't lying. And uh, and he was like, "Oh, it's okay, bro. I'm a high-tech monk," and he had the whole like card swiping thing. And uh, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So then uh, he was, and then I gave him like $3, you know, off my card. So I was like, swipe. And um, so he was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, you know, you're going to get good karma out of this. And, uh, and he's like, just doing other stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And then I, you know, walk out. And I'm, I'm walking. I'm probably like 30 feet away. And I hear the Holy Spirit be like, go pray for him. I'm like, I'm so far, and then he's like, go pray for them, for him, and I'm like, Tch. but now class just got, like all the classes just got out, so there's so much traffic going through, and everybody's going to see me, and you know, I just hear him, just go pray for him, and not like, not like a go pray for him, It's just like, just go pray for him, so then I go back, and I'm like, hey, you know, you said I was going to get good karma, and I just want to bless you, I just want to pray for you, he's like, I'm, and I told him, I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong, I just want to bless your life. And he said, "Oh yeah, thank you." So you know, I took off his hat. He was bald, and uh, and then um, I prayed for him, and I just I just prayed over him protection. I said, "God, you love him. This is your, this is your son," and I just asked for your Holy Spirit to be over him, and uh, and I said, "Amen." And then he was like, "Thanks, man. I appreciate that." And then I just walked off, and I felt really
0: good. So, yeah. Amen. Uh, Jerry. Celebrate, Jerry, guys. You're wearing a Disneyland pin? Yeah. <laughs> what up, y'all?
3: My name is Jerry, and I'm a godkoholic. All right, so um, I have two little, two little testimonies to, to share. Um. So you guys don't know me, my name is Jerry, and i um, I'm a, I was a security guard at Santa Ana and um, before that I was unemployed for a bit and I was blessed to go work that far <laughs> so I don't know but ever since I, I was over there like everything changed completely for me. I was blessing people's lives you know and, and um, I, I always gave, gave and gave and gave till um, this one time that this lady just came up to me. and. and You know, I I was talking to her and and I told her, you know, like, um, like you know, like God is good, you know. And she goes, yeah. And she she looks at me. She goes, like, like you, you're saved. Like, were you born again? I'm like, girl, I've been born. You know, like, (laughs) you know, I've been born again. You know. And then she just started crying on me, and she was like you are such a blessing to this place. You're, you yourself are such a blessing. And she started really crying on me. And I, I, this was, people were there. I mean, a lot of people were there. So I was like, oh, my God. like, yeah. I don't want to get in trouble either. So, and yeah, she's like, I see a light in you. I see a, I see a beautiful light. You're a beautiful person. And, and she just started giving me all these encouragement words. And that was just awesome to give. And at the end, I, I received which was awesome, man. And um, this is my second one. This is recent. Uh, I, uh, I started working at, at a DMV, and um, this was perfectly timing because, you know, I was talking, chatting with, with um, one of the workers there, and, and I just felt like she, she, she had this emptiness in her heart. So, you know, we kept talking about it till one day I just asked her, like, oh, you know, like, like you know, do you believe in God, you know? And then she was like, "Oh, you know, I barely started, you know, this and that." And um, as Cynthia was saying about the podcast, you know, I was walking away, and I'm like, "Podcast? She is. I gotta do it." So I went back to her and I told her, "Can you do me a big favor?" And she was like, "Yeah, you know." And she was like, "Like, what do you want?" <laughs> so I, I, did. I told her um, to listen to the podcast, um, and. To listen to all the she is um, re- recordings and and just to let me know how she felt and man it blessed her life ladies it blessed her she, and she told me that that she had that it was crazy because she had she before the, after I mean yeah, and during that week at the week after she was gonna go to another DMV so it was like perfect timing man God has this perfect timing and she's blessed y'all she hopefully she comes next week so y'all can meet her <laughs> all right. god bless you all
0: amen i just wanted to celebrate like some of the things that our people have been doing um in honor to god in honor to just um this congregation um i also have a testimony to share um and it happened the Friday um, that She Is was gonna happen. Uh, I have a coworker who suffers from, uh, suffered from migraines. Um, he would get in really bad, he had to miss work like a couple days. And so that Friday before I left uh, so I can, because we were gonna have She Is, uh, he was sitting next to me and I've been, um, I've been like sort of like mentoring him at work, right? And, um, he has a really crazy story. Uh, I believe and confess that one day he'll be here with his wife and he'll share that story. And um, he's sitting next to me and I start thinking, man, I really wanna pray for him so that God takes away his migraines. And, um, and, I, and I start thinking like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take this risk and I'm just gonna do it. And he knows that I'm Christian and the funny thing is I'll be in a conference room working, listening to worship music or listening to a preaching and he's in there. And he's, like, just bobbing his head and, like, listening to the message and, like, trying, asking me to clarify stuff about, like, gold teeth and, like, gold and this and that. And um and so I'm, like, trembling, and I look over to him, and I was like, can, can I pray for you? Like, do you get migraines still? And then he's like, yeah, I actually have throbbing right now in my head. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, can I pray for you? And he's like, sure. He's like, sure, sure. And I don't think he knew that I meant, like, right now and so i'm sitting there and like something else came up and we start talking and i'm like no i gotta do it like i gotta do this thing you know like enough is enough i gotta like i gotta either either we can heal the sick or we can't and so and so i tell him hey but can i pray for you like right now and he's like sure and like i was getting up to leave and he was getting up to leave too as the end of the day and thankfully like it was like a lot of people had already left and so we go into the conference room, and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, just just sit down. I sit down next to him, and I go, okay, this is what I want you to do. I go, I want you to just pay attention to your body, and you tell me what's happening. And so he's like, okay. He's like, I can do that. And at first, he's, like, sitting, like, kind of, like, upright, like, in his, like, office chair. Um, and he has his laptop, like, in his lap. And... Um, and so I put my hand on him and I just start praying for him and I start praying God like take away this migraine take away this pain Lord I rebuke this pain God and I just start feeling the presence of God like showing up in that conference room but it's like thick and like it's like really heavy And so I'm praying and then I stop and I have my eyes open he has at first he has his eyes open and he's just sort of like probably feeling awkward and I'm praying for him and I have my eyes open cuz you know I'm looking at him to see what, how he's responding and I'm praying for him. And through the first prayer, he closed his eyes. And then I stopped praying. And I go, I go, what I go, how do you feel? And he does this whole thing. He like leans back in his office chair and he's like. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, I like this feeling. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you feel? Tell me what's going on. And he's like, he's like, I feel peace. And I'm like, wow. I was like, dude, you're and then I got all, like, confident in that moment. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're encountering the Holy Spirit, man. Like, God's here right now, and, like, because Jesus lives in me, and, like, you know, he can heal you, and, like, this is happening to you right now. And he's like, he's like, man, he's like, and he's pre- predominantly Spanish speaker. He's from Chile. He's like, siento una paz. He's like, siento paz. And then he goes, he goes, that peace is making the throbbing stop. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, dude, God's going to heal you right now. And I, and I go, let me pray again. And so this time he doesn't sit up right. He puts his laptop on his table and he's like leaning back like this. And I'm praying for him. And again, the presence is coming. And then like I stop praying for him and he's like, he's like, he's just smiling. And I'm like, open your eyes, dude. Like what's going on? And, um, and so he opens his eyes and I, and I go, what's going on? And he's like, he's like, I feel peace and the throbbing has stopped. And I'm like, amen. And in that moment, I go, do you believe that God just healed you? And he goes, yeah. He's like, I believe in those things. I believe God just healed me. And I'm like, yes, dude. And so I've been asking him every so now and then, like, how have you been feeling? How have you been feeling? I asked him on Friday um, because I was telling him how I want a gold tooth. And I was like, look it, right now it's not gold. So when I get a gold tooth, I'm going to show you, you're going to be my witness and he's like why do you want to go to it's kind of ghetto i'm like no it's not ghetto <laughs> and so and so i go um, and so i go but how have you been feeling like have you had headaches or anything and i'm all like kind of like half like suspicious like and he goes no he's like i haven't had one headache since you prayed for me yeah. amen give god glory for that one and so today i want to talk to you about uh, hebrews 11:6 um so go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11.6 and give me an amen when you're there. Hebrews 11.6 I didn't realize that the hardest thing about running a 5k is waking up the next day. I feel like a train ran over me. It's Insane. Okay. So Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Amen. So I share these testimonies with you because I want to talk to you today a little bit about sort of like faith and stewarding trust with God. I want to talk to you a little bit about seeing God as a rewarder of those who seek him seeing God as one who rewards his children for, um, for stepping out, right, and taking risk, and, and trusting in God that, that he will back them up and sort of, you know, doing, um, doing sort of what he says that we would, that we would do. And so often, um, you know, in religion, you, you don't see God as a rewarder, you can't, because you see God as like a punisher almost, and you see God as someone who like, you're working, constantly working to get his approval, not realizing that you actually have his approval. And then sometimes what happens is, you know, um, you think, oh, God's just sort of gonna like, one day he's gonna take care of this thing, you know? Um, but in reality, God has established ways and his goodness that are set up to actually reward those, like this verse says, those who seek him. And so let us go to um, Matthew 5, verse 46 to 48. So Matthew 5, verse 46 to 48. Give me an amen when you're there. Are You guys good? Not all at once, are you guys good? All right. Okay, so it says like this. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Remember that. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect amen you are to be perfect it's not a request it's actually a declaration over your life and as children of God God has called us to sort of step out of the norm to step out of sort of like the minimum right like not to just do the minimum not to just Um, do what's easy, but God has actually equipped us to do that which others call hard. Um, I can remember um, uh, when Meryl gave her word that she is, she talked about going through the fire, right? And when we go through the fire, we see what's what's inside of us, which is gold. And so um, as believers, this is Jesus speaking, he's saying, you know, don't just do the minimum. Don't just greet those who you know. You know, invest your time into getting to know people that you don't know. You know, love those that perhaps even society or the world has says are unlovable. You know, step out and, 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 and hug someone that you normally wouldn't get close to or no, somebody that you normally wouldn't speak to. And to bring it sort of, like, down to, like, um, sort of to, like, help you guys, like, paint the pictures and to sort of uh, celebrate our pastors. Like, if there are people in this congregation that don't just do the minimum, it's them. Like, we have a prime example. In Jesus first, in, he, in him, like, dying on the cross for us, not doing, like, the minimum. But we have amazing examples in our pastors that, that, you know, they drive in traffic, they work, but they get here early, and they counsel people, and, and they set up the usher's table, and they set up this, and they set up that, and they do sound, and they do translating, and they do photography, and the projectors, and I can go on. But they do more than what's required. And so there we have examples to sort of how we should lead our life, not just at church, but at work and at school and in everything that we do. And I know it sounds kind of rough, but like I'm getting to something. Let me, um, Manny Pacquiao fights next Saturday, let me throw some punches and then, <laughs> um, and then you'll see what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, and in society, in this world, um, they've actually made it tolerable or they've made like drugs and all these things to sort of tolerate avoiding pain. Right, Like, it's easy now like, to, to do this, to do that, to, to, to ha- take this drug, or do this to, your, to yourself, because people are afraid to talk about what they're going through, or they're afraid to sort of like go through pain not realizing that they can go through that and that they're not alone. You know, and unfortunately, then that becomes an identity. Um, people grow up, you know, and they could be like celebrities, and they can be like normal everyday people, and they grow up, and they have all these thoughts, and then they don't talk to somebody. And then the way the world is, 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 is sort of heading, it's like easy for people to sort of give in to those thoughts, to those feelings, or to those anxieties, or those desires. And then that becomes identity. And that acceptance is, is really is really harsh. But this is where we come in. This is where we step in. And although society has said that it is, it is okay for these things to happen, we step in and we say, there's actually another option. You don't actually have to give in to sort of those things that are weighing you down. And when I was thinking about this, for some reason, I got a picture of a bridge um, in my head. And besides really big trees, I like bridges. And so I was like, I wonder what the anatomy of a bridge is. And I was going to be in architecture, and I, I sort of have some like, knowledge of these things. And so I, I went in, and I started reading it. And if you can imagine sort of like a cliff, right? And there's a gap, or like a river. and um, and in a bridge, right, and it has anchors that are like in the cliff, and that comes out, and it builds a bridge, it has a platform, it has foundations, and then it has um, tension rods, or tension beams. Now, these tension rods tend to sort of stretch um, as you go across it, or drive across it, or walk across it. And I started thinking about that, and then God was like, just, I don't know why, he started speaking to me about about bridges and then I started thinking can you imagine the person who invented the bridge like like just you know um, just follow me here for a second can you imagine like a group of people walking they get to a cliff and they have to get to the other side and everybody's like well we could just go down and around it's going to take like three five days and this and that but the guy who has vision or the woman who has vision says there might not be a bridge here but I can see Beyond what I see here, I can see that there could be something here that could transport us to the other side. So, yeah, I mean, to do what is easy, to do, not just do what is easy would be like, yeah, to go around, but God hasn't just called us to to do those things. He's called us also to be smart. He's given us wisdom and He's given us knowledge. And so I can imagine the person who's gonna create the bridge thinking, no, I'm not gonna uh, be satisfied with just going around. I wanna walk across. And so, The world says it's okay for people to sort of, like, deal with stuff and, like, deal with this and deal with that, and that becomes your identity. But the Christian and the believer sees something else. They see something that's not there, but they see what God has proclaimed. So you see, like, a bridge. And essentially what God was telling me is that we are the bridge. And so in this verse, um, in Matthew 46 to 48, um, if you could put it back up, it says... Uh, If you love only those who you love, um, good, hold on, let me read my version. For if you love those who you love, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so seeking the kingdom in those who the world or religion has said are unlovable is perfection displayed just like jesus dying on the cross for us while we were still his enemies so we bridge sort of like i could say the gap between the father's reward and heavenly perfection because it says be perfect just as your father is perfect and it's not that you start um you know, sort of working to, like, gain perfection. It's that you are perfect, and this is how you live. And so, if I can explain it to you, faith is an act of taking risk, an act of proclaiming, God, I trust you. Although I'm not a doctor, I'm not a healer, um, you know, I don't I don't maybe know this or that, but I can step out and I can say, like, you know, I can pray for this person and they can get healed. Like, I don't necessarily know how. I just know God's going to do it, because he said that I could do it. And so, faith is taking risk, trusting God, and overachieving. Not just getting by with like, I'm gonna come to church on Sunday and sort of see you next week. It's like, no, you're a believer inside and outside of these walls. You have, you have something to give. You, you were born with, with the ability to be great. You were born with, with the ability to sort of change the atmosphere and usher in the kingdom of heaven. And so reward is twofold. It's natural benefits. So if I pray for someone, they get healed. That's the natural benefit of praying for someone to get healed. And then there's the second part of reward, which is what the Father actually gives to you for doing, um, how it says in Hebrews 11:6, 6, for believing that he is and seeking him. He rewards you different. And Mario mentioned this uh, last week in, when he talked about like the talents in Jesus giving uh, or the Master giving talents to another person. They stewarded that. And they came back and gave them, uh, back to the master, more. And so the natural benefits are the increase, the, the interest that was earned. The second part to that is the master goes, good, faithful servant, take a city. That's not natural. How do you get a city from, like, you know, I don't know, it's just not, it doesn't make sense. But do you guys follow me so far? Reward is twofold. So it's natural, and then it's what the father gives to you. And intimacy determines the type of reward. So let's go to Matthew 6, 1. So Matthew 6, 1. Then we're going to skip and read 5 and 6. So God has said, come, seek me. Believe that I am. And that I am the reward. And then Jesus says, don't just do the minimum. You know, take what has been given to you and step out. And then you will be rewarded. Because it says, what reward do you have if you just do what you're supposed to do, right? And so the next step is that intimacy, before we get boastful and before we get sort of showy, is that intimacy determines the type of reward. And so let's read Matthew 6, verse 1, and then we'll jump to 5 and 6. So beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Let's stop right there. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. It doesn't mean that you're not going to practice your righteousness before men. It just means don't practice it so that you can be noticed by men. Does that make sense? So don't practice it in a way where it's like I hope to be seen, but practice it in a way where it's like you're spreading the kingdom and you're helping out those that are, that are in need and you're changing things around you. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Jump to verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you when you pray go into your inner go into your inner room close the door and pray that your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you i didn't know this for like a long time that god wants to he positions himself as a father he positions himself as a giver as a provider but then he also positions himself as a rewarder and that's interesting to me because because it's, I don't know, it's just different. He has so many ways of being, you know, and each unique way, it's like you learn something about him. And by stepping out and like loving those that the world says are unlovable, it's like the 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 broken people become the healed people. And I, and I, I think it's Isaiah 60 says that those broken people rebuild cities. And so it's like, we see these testimonies. That's why I had Blue, Johnny, and Jerry come up here and share because you see what happens when children of light step out and they, they choose to shine and, and, and they, they choose to, to release a word. They could have kept on walking and not done anything. That doesn't mean that they are any less. It doesn't mean that, that God judges them or puts them down. Simple. It's just that, you know, that person is still going to be blessed by God, but it's a journey. You know, it's a, it's a process that God has established for us. And that process and that journey that God has established for us was meant to flow out of intimacy. And it was meant to be, to be fun. It was meant to ignite. It was meant to be wild. It was meant to be strange and wonderful and, and see people getting healed of migraines and, and, and praying for people of different religions and praying for our, our very own brothers and sisters or having somebody come up and be like, I see a very bright light in you. I mean, those sorts of things are supposed to happen to us every single day. And a lot of those things don't happen unless we step out and have faith. And so relationships are based on trust. And with God, intimacy with the Father marks this earth with eternity because it marks you first. Intimacy with the Father influences this earth because it influences you first. Amen. And so when you trust God and you know that it's like, he's a, God is a trustable person. <laughs> he's never gone back on his word. He keeps his word and he keeps his promises. And he says, seek me in private. Seek me in the intimate. In there, your heart gets stirred. Your heart gets moved. And then you step out. And then you let sh- love shine. And then you let love sort of explode on out of you. And you change the atmosphere wherever you go. And you change what's happening. And then you-, you tell people this thing that you're going through, you no longer have to deal with it. You have an option. You have the option to to look to Jesus. And you have the option to be healed by Jesus. And it's amazing. And and when you start to walk in that, you you naturally develop this trust factor with God. It doesn't mean that the nerves go away. Because I think... <laughs> I know I'll still get nervous, like continuing to pray for people. But the moment that I prayed for my coworker, I was like, who's next? I was like, I was like, I'm ready. These things are loaded, baby. And we're going to like, we are going to pray for some people. And so like, I was walking out in the security guard. They normally say like, good night. And I was like, you have a good night. And I just kept walking. And then I got home and I was coming out of the exit and there was a homeless person there. And I was like, oh, I don't have cash, but I have an apple. So I gave him the apple. And I go, what would you like? And he's like, I need a new job. And I was like, well, I bless you in Jesus' name that you'll get a job. And he was like, he's like, thanks. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I want more people. I was like, come on, God. I was like, I want to pray for more people. And as you develop that trust with God, it's like God is saying, good, like faithful servant. Thank you for stewarding what I have already given you. Here's more. Take more. And, and, and increase and increase and glory to glory. And that is how God meant us to walk. Right? It's like having a friend that you can go over to their house and you can open the fridge without asking. I used to have this friend in, uh, in middle school. A lot of you know his story. He's the one that recently got into a car accident. Um, but first of all, we lived in Downey, so we didn't lock our doors. Um, I think most people still don't lock their doors. Um, but I would just go over, I didn't even knock. I would open the door, go in. I would go to the fridge, get food. You know, his mom would cook some pupusas. They were delicious. He would come to my house, eat my cookies. It was great. Um, and, but that all is based on trust, on intimacy. And if you don't have that developed intimacy, then you can't really open the fridge. Amen? And so intimacy determines the type of award. And but then there's the other spectrum, right, where people are like doing things in order to be seen. And working in the, um, in the industry um, that I work in, I, I see a lot of, like, misinformed people. Um, I don't hold anything against them. I don't judge them because simply they still don't yet know better, right? They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about the love of God. Their identity is in sort of, like, lording over other people and, like, and, and looking at their own self gains without looking at how they can help other people. And I was driving home one day and I was thinking about this very thought. I was thinking about, man, like and I could just feel like the weight, I, I, I was just thinking, how many people out there like live with agendas? Like how many people out there live with like, I'm gonna do this and manipulate this and that so that I can be seen, so that I can shine, so that I can be famous, so that I can do that. And all along the way, They're sacrificing their marriages, they're sacrificing their relationships. Some of them hit rock bottom and they sacrifice their finances, they sacrifice their health. I see this constantly happen. And so I was thinking about this and I was just thinking like, you know, we have to be the difference. We have to go in there and basically be like, this agenda or this contract that you're on, like you don't have to be on this contract. You can be in this covenant with Jesus. And so we go in there and we shine and we represent the light. And so I was thinking about that. And I, I sort of had like um, this experience last time I preached. Uh, I think it was a Friday night. Um, where I think I sort of came to preach like with an agenda. Um, and so I'm like repenting right now in front of you. Because I came with an agenda. And so I came, and I thought, "Oh, I'm gonna preach about this, and the fire of God is gonna fall, and like people are gonna be on the floor." And I'm exaggerating, but, but like I came sort of like with this expectation of what I thought was gonna happen, and, and I guess those expectations weren't meant. I psyched myself out, like really bad, um, to the point where afterwards I was like, "Man, that was, that was crap. Like that sucked. Like I feel bad for the people that came to listen to me that night. I wasted their night." <laughs> And those are the consequences of like living with agendas. It's like when you don't meet those, I'm not saying goals are bad, but when you don't meet those certain expectations, it's like the result is sort of like let down. It's like almost like depression, right? And I don't know why, like it just it hit me like really hard. And I, I didn't come here like to be like showy or anything like that. I think I truly just like psyched myself out. And so I was like super bummed out on Friday night. I was telling Meryl, I was like, man, that was horrible. And she's like, no, boo-boo, you did great. And, and I'm like, no, like, you know, I just don't feel right about it. Then Saturday came along and like, I think stuff happened at work. And then like, I think a lot of other things were like going wrong. And I was like, I still got to get this root canal going. And then I was just like, really like down, really like upset. And on Sunday, I think we came, we, yeah, we came to church and on the way home, we were, we were going to go by Rubio's, and I was driving, and I'm, and I'm just complaining, and I'm like venting to, to, to Meryl. And she's like, well, what's going on? And she starts talking to me, and she starts talking to my heart. And I'm driving, and I am just start crying. And I'm just saying, I'm just frustrated, like I'm just upset, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just so mad, and like, and, and I was just so pissed off at myself, right, for like, I don't know, for, I guess, not meeting these expectations that I made up in my mind. And we're parked in the parking lot of a Rubio's, and she's just speaking to me. And it's almost like I could see the words just, like, hitting my heart, hitting my heart. And it's like, it's not like that. It's not like that. It's not like that. And it reverses the effects that I had actually done to myself um, that whole weekend. And, and I honestly, like, the words that she said to me... Um, came from a place of intimacy, came from a place of, of relationship, of closeness between her and I as husband and wife. And I honestly feel like it changed my outlook on leading worship and on preaching and on teaching for like the rest of my life. Like it really just changed it all completely. And it's like God was, it's like God said like, you know, I'm like I just use your wife, but then I'm also going to give you like something else. And so On, um, when I preached, it was, um, it was March 6th, it was a Friday. Meryl gave me a really powerful word on the 8th. The very next weekend, um, Mario preached on the 15th, that's when you talked about the river, about the living water flowing through you. And that day, um, I had a vision. And I think, did Jesse share his vision? Jesse she shared his vision, and um, I had a vision where, oh, and Shirley shared too, right, so I had a vision too, but what I saw was, I saw the river, and I saw what looked like horses made out of water, like, just running in the river, like, strong and, like, powerful, and I saw it, and I was like, wow, like, that is, like, amazing, so It's like, Lord of the Rings type of stuff, but, like, man, like, these horses, like, looked almost, like, crystal-like, right? And they were made out of water, and they were just galloping down the river, galloping down the river. And I was like, man, that's beautiful. And then it was like God was saying, like, I'm going to give you something else. And so on Monday night, uh, as we were preparing for She Is, uh, Jesse had us um, had us go and find, like, it was a worship team. He had us go and find, like, a comfortable place. They played some worship music in the back. And I went to go kneel down over there. Um, in the first row, I just got on my knees, and I had just been thinking about what had happened, the vision I had on Sunday uh, when Maya preached, and the words that Merrill had given me, like still so like impacted, and I just got on my knees, and, and I just started like worshiping, and I started praying, and, and I had a vision. The first thing I saw was I saw myself at the women's conference, she is, I was wearing um, this T-shirt that my sister got me for Christmas, And I was just going like ham on the guitar. I was just like, you know, I was just worshiping God and like, you know, and I was just worshiping God and I I just felt like this expression of joy inside of me. And so the next thing I see, it's like I'm back at the river where I was the day before, where I saw the horses uh, made out of like water. Um, and, And I'm looking at them and I'm like, man, these horses, like, they are nice, like, Like, I hope I can run like them at that 5K that Meryl signed me up for, because I'm gonna need to run like that. And so I'm looking at them, and they're like running, and all I can just think is like strength and like power, and like, you know, I'm looking at them, and the next thing I feel is like, I feel like, like, like a big giant, like eagle, like bird, like pick me up by the back, and it starts flapping its huge wings. And it lifts me up like through the clouds, and I'm like, whoa, like this is like really cool, and I'm like looking out, And as I'm looking out through the clouds, other people are being lifted up by the same like type of bird, huge type of bird. And we're all like being lifted up, being lifted up, being lifted up. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I'm back at the river. And this time, I'm at the river and I'm seeing the horse that's made out of water drink from the river, which is kind of weird now that I think about it. So the horse that's that's made out of water, the horses, because there was more than one, are drinking out of the river. And then the bird that was carrying me comes and lands and it's drinking out of the river. And, and I know this all sounds strange, but like, it's just something that God, God was showing me in that moment. And I was like, God, why are you showing me this? And I hear God say, the ways of man on this earth have dried up my river. And I was like, what? And then he goes, but ask of rain and I will give you rain because I am making rain. And immediately I started crying because I knew exactly what he meant, and I knew exactly what he was doing. When I preached last time, and I psyched myself out, I I preached from Zechariah 10.1 that says, ask of rain during the rain time, and the maker of rain will give you rain. Like, it sounds redundant, but in that moment, I'm like in intimacy with God, and and I'm, I'm just like looking at what he's showing me, and then he says this, that man has dried up the river, but. Ask for rain, children of God. Ask for rain and he will give you rain. And he will replenish this earth. Like right now we're like in a drought, right? And so he'll replenish this state with water. And he'll replenish your life with, with spirit because water represents spirit. And he'll rep- replenish your life with spirit and with joy and with power. And in that moment I just started crying and I'm like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. And, and he's just speaking to me and speaking to me and showing me these things. And, he, and then he quotes... This, like, passage that I had just preached about, but that I had felt so let down by that it was like he was redeeming me in that moment. And I just started crying, and I, all I could do was thank him, thank him, and just say, thank you, Father, because you know what we go through in life sometimes. In this journey, we step out sometimes, and sometimes we make misinformed decisions or we, we get these thoughts that are incorrect but God always has our back, and God always works things out for our good, and he doesn't leave us alone, and he puts people in our lives that will speak life into us and that will help us to get picked up right back up and be like, you are strong like those horses, amen? Like, you can be like an eagle just soaring over everything, and not just that, but you have purpose. You were created to drench this earth with the Spirit of God. You were created to to cause a hunger for Jesus. You were created to bless the nations You were created to sort of inspire others to get intimate with God, and and I'm sitting there and I'm just crying and I'm crying and I'm crying, and I'm just thanking Him, thanking Him, thank you for showing me, thank you for showing me. And and the next thing I know, I'm standing on a rock, and I'm like, okay, this isn't done yet. (laughs) I'm standing on a rock, and I can see the river, and this is just crazy, like it was bizarre. I'm standing on a rock I see a river and I see my mom she's skipping rocks and my mom had this dream a couple years back where I came and I grabbed her by the hand and I said mom come come with me and I'm taking her like through mud and she's like if you know me like I'm super clean and I get that from my mom and she was like oh it's muddy right here like why are you bringing me here and then the next thing, she's like skipping rocks, and she's like trying to get to where I am. And I'm standing on the rock, and that's her dream. But in my vision, it's like God put me in her dream, which was the weirdest thing ever. And I'm standing on that rock, and I'm seeing her like sort of like, like jump over these rocks. And it's this moment my mom has in, 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 her, in her dream where she says, you know what? If I'm going to get to where I got to get to, I'm going to have to get in the river. Amen. And when Mari was preaching about that last time, that we have to just get in the river. And I'm seeing my mom and it's like in that moment where she's about to jump in the river. And for some strange reason, my grandparents, my, my dad's parents who aren't in life, I can just feel like they're behind me. I don't know why, it's strange. And I could just feel like they're behind me and it's like the cloud of witnesses like, like just cheering me on and saying, you can do this, like you can do this. And I'm seeing my mom and right behind my mom is my dad. And it's like God constantly will show us and take us to places that, that we have never been before because we decide to sort of step out in faith. And he sets us up to be rewarded. Amen? Amen. And the focal point of those, of, of those acts of stepping out is heaven on earth. Um, Matthew, let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, um, verse 9 through 13. I love these chapters, chapter Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. I was reading them, studying them, and I was actually going to talk about Matthew 7, but the Holy Spirit was like, no, like, we're going to cut it off at Matthew 6. Um, And so I was like, okay. In Matthew 5, Jesus is talking, blessed are the poor, blessed are these, blessed are those. And then he ends with, essentially, don't do the minimum. Um, and then he starts chapter 6 with, you know, don't practice your righteousness before men. And then he goes sort of into, like, what's, like, to be the focus of, like, our life. And he says the Our Father prayer. And I'm not going to go through all of it. You guys know it. But if you can just put, I think it's Matthew six ten. 10. Um, it says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And I feel strongly that as children of God, when we step out, like at the DMV, and we say, hey, listen to this, or at school, and we say, like, hey, can I pray for you? Like, hey, can I bless you? Or at work, we say, like, hey, like, let me pray for you. Like, God wants to heal you. This is the the result of those prayers. This is the result of of those acts. It's heaven on earth. It's the kingdom comes. It's, It's how Jesus announced, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And... It's the invasion, right, of of heaven on earth and it reveals the Father and it gives people the unearned, unmerited, unconditional grace and love that frees them to greater realities about God and themselves. And so Jesus came saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. So now we as children and co-heirs and co-laborers with Christ, we get to build relationships, not agendas. We get to build relationships and spend time with those that, that need love and care, and we get to steward the trust of God, and we step out and we take risk, and as we step out and take risk, God rewards us with more. Amen? The, the beautiful thing is that chapter 5 starts right, blessed are they, it ends with, don't just do the minimum. Chapter 6 starts with, when you pray, don't pray like this, pray like this, on earth as it is in heaven. But what happens when your prayers don't get answered? What happens when you're praying for someone and they don't get healed? I believe that that nothing that God does is on accident. It's all on purpose. And he wants us to live that way, too. Because after that passage of um, the Our Father prayer, the very next passage, or in the midst of that that passage, it's like Jesus says, don't ramble on about your prayer because your father in heaven already knows what you need. And I feel like sometimes as believers, we get into this like repetition of prayer where it's not really prayer, but it's more like we're confessing our problems instead of confessing his promises. And it's like constant. It's like, oh, this happened to me and now this happened to me and like this, ha- this has gone wrong and like, you know, um, whatever. Whatever. And it's like Jesus knew that we, we can fall into that. And that's why he said, don't, don't ramble on. Your father already knows what you need. Instead, when you pray, pray on earth as it is in heaven. Pray like this. And if your answer doesn't come, continue to steward the truth, the, the trust. Continue to steward the trust. Continue to have faith and continue to step out. And then he gives this promise, Matthew 6, 33. And I'll end with this. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This part in my Bible, it's called the cure for anxiety. And the way Jesus lays it out is, I know what you need. I know that you need clothing, I know that you need shelter, you need love, you need relationships, and it's like, it's almost like he's saying, just trust me, like just trust me, like I have your back, I have every good intention intended for you, and then he like sort of like staples it with this, with this verse, it's like seek me first, because I got your back. And as you seek me, I promise you that all those things that you would normally go seek in the world, you will still get them, but you will get them through me. And so the cure, I wrote this down, and I think, it's, I think strongly that it's for us. The cure for anxiety is to trust that he knows our needs. And this is evident in us by our unwavering pursuit of the kingdom and his righteousness. This year we're calling it unwavering because we're not gonna be a people that just warms up a chair. We're gonna be a people that steps out and prays for people at the DMV, prays for people at school. We're gonna be a people that lays hands on the sick at work, out in the neighborhoods, out in public where people are hungry and they need a God and they need love. We're gonna step out and we're gonna seek God in others. We're gonna seek the breath of God in other people. And God is going to reward us. And God is going to bring increase. And he's going to bring more. And grace and love is going to grow. And this whole building is going to be filled up. And then we're going to get another building that's two stories. And we're going to fill that building up. And we're going to grow and grow and grow. Because we trust God. And because of our unwavering pursuit of his kingdom and his righteousness. I'll, I'll end with... them. Um, I'll end with this story. Um, It's not really my testimony. It's more of my parents' testimony. When we first accepted Christ, uh, we were going through some financial troubles. Um, We had to sell off a home uh, where where I grew up, essentially, and where my sisters and I grew up. Then we moved to Hawaiian Gardens for six months. After that, uh, it was my dad's uncle's house. He decided to sell it. Um, I was graduating high school. Um, My mom was working in Downey. Uh, my dad was working in uh, by the airport, I think. And we started looking for a home, because um, we needed somewhere to live. We were looking in Downey. I think we ended up looking everywhere, <laughs> and nothing. We were five people plus a dog. Um, we were looking everywhere, looking everywhere, looking everywhere, and nothing, nothing was like happening, no doors were opening. If it wasn't the dog, it was like, credit if it wasn't credit and a dog it was like too many people and I was like well let's sell Paola I mean she's the youngest one but we weren't going to do that either we we didn't even get rid of the dog it's how merciful God is that he kept the family plus the canine intact and I can remember that it was time to leave the house in Hawaiian Gardens and we didn't find anywhere to live So we moved everything that we had, everything that we possessed, we moved it into a storage unit. And to see your life in a storage unit, in a 16 by 16 foot storage unit, is pretty darn depressing. On top of that, we had to move into a motel for like two, three weeks. I remember sleeping on the floor, my sister shared a bed, my parents shared a bed. We were living in a motel, And I started college, living in a motel, sleeping on the floor. And I could just remember one night just crying and thinking, like, I've had enough of this, man. Like, we became Christian for what? And that night, I was crying. My mom came and she hugged me. And she's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And later on, we would moved to West Covina with my mom's cousins. They opened up their home for, I think, another three months. We lived there. And I went to school living there. We would wake up like at 5 in the morning, which is early for me. And we would wake up at 5 in the morning. And my mom would go to school. My sisters would go to elementary school. It would take us like an hour and a half to get there. I would go to a donut shop and like, hang out with like, a bunch of old timers waiting for my friend who lived down the block to wake up at 10 so that I can hitch a ride with him to school. I learned so much about myself during that time. And I learned so much about the world because I was reading newspapers with these old people. <laughs> they were drinking coffee. I was drinking milk and orange juice. But, And then one night, one night, my dad picks me up. And my dad, if you know my dad, he loves to talk. And it, he'll tell you his story, but he starts before he was born. And he, he always tells this story. He, he, I used to have to wait like hours for him at Cerritos to pick me up because my friends didn't want to take, uh, take me home. And I, I didn't blame them. I mean, to go from Cerritos to West Covina during traffic hours is, is hard. So I had to wait there for him to pick me up after work. And if you've gone to school, once everybody leaves and there's nobody at school, it's pretty depressing to be there by yourself. Like, it's just weird. Like, you don't want to be there. You want to be at home. And I, and I really couldn't even go home and relax because it wasn't really even my home. And so my dad picks me up, and I'm sitting in the truck um, in his like, 1985 Mitsubishi truck, that Mitsubishi doesn't even make trucks anymore. And we're like driving down, down the freeway, and we're both like really quiet, like the two men of like the household, right? Like we're both really quiet. And I turn to him, and I go, Dad. I turn to him in that moment, and I'm like, Dad, we're living by faith, aren't we? And he tells the story, and he says that it, like, rompió (laughs) su corazón. Sorry. Sorry. And, um, you gotta understand that at that point, like, like, we still had nowhere to live. Um, it was, I know personally, hard times for my parents. Hard times for, for us. Hard times for. Um, it was even hard times for Goldie, our dog. Poor thing, we gave her to one of my mom's cousins, and we tied her up in his backyard. And if you know dogs, like, when they get tied up, they get mean. And they used to have, like, a little girl, like, I want you to see God's attention to detail. They, they had a little, a, little, a little girl who would go out and would pet Goldie, and Goldie not once took a bite at her. Not once like tried to growl at her and she was one that as soon as somebody got close she'd be like like she would like growl or sometimes she'd be really friendly i think she was bipolar or something um but she was so sweet and like nothing happened the day that we finally got a house um where my parents live now that day that i told my dad dad we're living by faith it says that it broke his heart and he still tells that story to today we didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't know what was going to happen. I know my parents went through a difficult time, but I saw my parents in that season do what was hard to keep a family together. And 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 to end it, I'll end it with this worship team come up because then if not, I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> um, we keep looking for places, keep looking for places, looking for places. We finally find where... Um, my, my, where my parents live now, where I used to live, um, and we interviewed with the lady in the apartment, and we were like, it's a two-bedroom, but there's five of us, and we have a dog, and she doesn't allow dogs, and so, we're interviewing with her, and she's like, well, it doesn't look too good, let me see what I can do, and it turns out that she's actually Christian, and, um, and so, during that time, I kept going to school. I was like, I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to better my life, and I'm not going gonna, gonna to make sure I don't go through this when I'm older. I don't care if I have to wake up early. I don't care what I have to do. My parents would go to work. My little sisters would go to class. It's like we were unwavering. We were pursuing. Like, we could have given up. And this lady goes, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And it was almost like that was going to be the, what's the saying, the, cam- the straw that broke the camel's back. And so it was going to be a no. She was going to say no to us. And, and she calls us and she tells us that she went to church and only she knew about us that she interviewed us. She goes to church that weekend and her mom um, comes up to her and tells her, the family that you interviewed yesterday, God says to give them the apartment. This lady had no idea about us. And her, the lady's name is Lucy. She was like stunned because she hadn't even told her mom about it. And God spoke to her, and God opened the doors for a place for us to live. Had we given up, like, we would have missed out on, I can't tell you how many amazing and wonderful memories we created in that apartment. But when we step out, and we trust God, and we have faith, and we live by faith, and we don't just do the minimum and just get by. He doesn't want us to just get by. He wants us to trust him, and all things will be added. We are a new creation in Christ. He has meant to prosper us in every single way. And so if you could join me on your feet today. I feel strongly that um, we are to talk about uh, stewardship Um, at this church uh, in this congregation. Mario started it last time. Today, if you didn't notice, I'm talking about stewarding trust. That you would trust God and that you would have faith that you wouldn't fear that no matter what's happening in your life, that you would still seek the kingdom and that you would still persevere, that we will be unwavering this year. No matter what happens, we will continue to seek God. And we have prayers that haven't been answered, but we will not lose hope. And God wants to prosper us in four areas, in finances, in health, in relationships, and in ministry. And Those rewards for those four areas come from good stewardship and relationship and intimacy with him. It's he who does the blessing. But it is us that position ourselves in a place where he can bless us. Amen? Amen. So, I want to sing this song because it talks about not being afraid anymore. And so, if you're going through something or you have an unanswered prayer or if you need healing in your body, um, in the act of faith, come up to the front. And I believe that God today will heal you and then God today hears you. And so if you need healing or if you need a a prayer for anything, if you've been praying for something and it hasn't come yet, come up to the front as a declaration that it is going to happen. And we will pray for you. We will lay hands on you. We will no longer just warm up seats. We will do the time and we will rise up to be a holy and prospered generation.